1: engineering your success
2: the coaching staff and with the players Uh, the purpose of this meeting was you know had many many different aspects to it first and foremost it was to uh, make clear to the coaches make clear to mickey and make to the player make sure the players understood that i the front office and the entire ownership group has support of mickey callaway as our manager Mickey's our manager now, Mickey's our manager going forward, and we are gonna provide the same support we have for him throughout the off season as we have to this point. We'll continue that effort with, uh, with full steam ahead. I think from you know, our standpoint, the mission that I outlined when I was hired was, was pretty clear. You know, I sat in the same chair and made the comments that, that we want to win and we want to win now and in the future. We've experienced a start to the season that uh, that none of us are happy with, that none of us are content with, but the finger-pointing is not going down the chain of command to the players, the coaches. So we built this team in the front office. We believe that this team has the ability to contend the same way we, we said that in the offseason, loudly and proudly. Uh, the accountability that, uh, that will ultimately fall on this team, I want to place on my shoulders. I think that I was the one that... Uh, that put the, put the efforts into helping build this roster. I'll be the one along with the, the rest of the front office team that will continue to make improvements of this roster as we go forward, like we have today with the purchase of Hector Santiago's contract. Uh, make no mistake that there is confidence amongst the players. There's confidence amongst the coaches, and we know that we can play better. We haven't played to our expectations, and we are gonna challenge ourselves to do so here in the coming days and weeks. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is our team. We're proud of it. We believe in it and we're gonna make every effort in, the, uh, in our control to improve upon it and try to see if we can't get, to get into this race and capitalize on, on this, uh, this mission statement. And try to see if we can't get, to get into this race and capitalize on, on this, uh, this mission statement. Brody, why do you feel that Mickey specifically is the right guy still for this job? Well, I think Mickey has the respect of the players um, one of the things that we evaluated uh, over the course of spring training and already through this season is: you know, Do the players feel united? Do the players feel connected to the coaching staff? And all there, are they all working in the same direction? And uh, we believe that that is is the case. We believe that Mickey uh, Mickey has a pulse to the clubhouse, and we believe that the the support he has around him will be will be keys to his success.
0: And our whole front office for their continued support. I never felt. Phil- that I wasn't supported at any time. And we've always had unbelievable dialogue about how we can do things better. We realize that we have to to do things better and we have to start winning games. And that's what our focus has been at all times.
2: I know you said a couple of times over over the weekend that for you, you didn't think much about your job security, but did you sense that it was starting to become a distraction either with you, the coaching staff, or the players at all? You, you worry about that. Uh, I think
0: that's why we we wanted to address it. Um, but that that can never be an excuse. You know, we have to block out everything we possibly can. The players understand that. I understand that. And we're going to go out there every day and continue to to try and do that to the best of our ability and make adjustments and, and address things as we uh, see fit. It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Tuesday, May the 21st, 2019. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at MetsamorizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Welcome back, everybody. This is going to be a short edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. I wanted to do a somewhat instant reaction to the press conference at City Field yesterday that Brody Van Wagenen and Mickey Calloway partook in and uh, really dive into further what I thought Dan Grasso and I had had covered on Sunday on the last podcast, which was less than 48 hours ago, so a lot going on here at City Field, not the kind of stuff you want to be talking about again here this early in the season, just a few days before Memorial Day. On Sunday when I left, the one thing I... I regretted after I had put the podcast up is how Dan and I did not really dive into what's next. Now we talked about why firing Callaway is probably not a move that's going to change anything. And we glazed over the Cano stuff because I I thought that was overrated. I thought we had a great podcast, but what we didn't talk about is what do the Mets need to do at this point with this circus that's swirling them, the circus that the media is always trying to create. The, The Mets are not too far off from the Knicks now in the sense that the media wants this drama. They, they they want to create the drama, and then laugh that the drama has been created. And, oh, look at what's going on. Look what the Mets have created. Know, you know, the Mets, yeah, losing creates that. But the way you report on a team creates that as well. And if the Mets had not said anything and just gone as business as usual, it was just going to be a constant thing with Callaway. Every press conference, every question, players getting asked that. And you can't have that because it becomes – not that the players are going out on the field listening to it, it. becomes a tough place to work at that point. And it's unfair to Callaway, and good leadership doesn't allow that to happen. And sometimes Sandy Alderson, the way that he went about his business with his you know statements that were really just lawyerly non-statements that you had to like read between the lines or deal with the dry jokes, I never thought those were the – the way to go. And you want something declarative. A real declarative statement. And I just expected Brody Van Wagen to come out and talk to the press in the dugout at City Field. But he held a press conference. And I had said in the morning that the Mets really need to make a statement today. Brody, he needs to say, hey, Mickey's my manager. Mickey's not my manager. If you're going to let this thing linger, then you got to fire him. Because You don't want to go through this. Move on to the next story. Managing the media, like I've said all the time, is a big part of the job. The Mets did one better; they held a press conference. And before I get to the media reaction to the press conference, let me tell you why. And this is not, and let me make this clear: this is not me endorsing or saying that Callaway is the right guy for the next ten years, or has not done uh, has not done things that you know are head scratching. Has not been he's certainly not been perfect in the job but I don't think he's been as bad as everybody makes it out to be. nor do I think he is the the critical problem here with why the Mets are now after yesterday's win against the nats 21 and 25 the reason why the press conference to me was important and showed a difference in how the Mets handled business going back to Manaya uh and then obviously over the last you know nine years prior to this with Sandy Alderson is that Brody came out. He made his statements. He supported his manager for what was a reasonable amount of time. And I know that that's being picked on now, the foreseeable future. Um, And he was accountable. He came out very clearly. Hey, we meant we are supporting Mickey. Mickey's the manager, so forget about it, guys. Forget those columns. He's not going anywhere for the foreseeable future. Uh, He held himself accountable. He talked about how he and the front office and the players – and Mickey, you're all in this together, everybody's at fault. And that's the part that the media can't get and the fans can't get. Organizations don't evaluate and point fingers. That's a media thing. That's a radio thing. That's a podcast thing like this, uh, if you, if you want to do a lousy podcast. Uh, that's for the people outside the organization to do, because everybody wants a scapegoat. Everybody wants to take their sticks and beat up on somebody, whether it be Cano today, Frazier tomorrow, Brody the next day, Mickey Calloway, the the ownership group. It's just, who do I want to pick on today? Mainly because fans are fanatics, which is what their job is, but uh, they don't understand. And, and let me make this clear if I haven't in this podcast. So listen to this closely, because if you could take one thing away from the next 10, 15, whatever 20 minutes I go on here, the Mets and Brody, when they get into their office in the morning, when Calloway gets into his office and gets in the dugout, They don't think about running the team to make you happy, the fans. Obviously, winning makes you happy. But the way they go about that, they're going to do it the way they believe is the right thing. Not what they think you want today. Same thing with the media. I know this is hard for the media to understand. I know the beat reporters sometimes have a hard time understanding this. Not all of them, some of them. That they're not going to do what you want because they're afraid of you writing something about them. They don't care. And you know what? The fans and the media, and this throws me in there even though I think I know a few things too. Our opinion doesn't really count because we're on the outside looking in. So this idea that we all know and we're so much more knowledgeable than the clueless people in charge, they're in charge for a reason. Brody Van Wagenen moved up a large organization to become a head of a division. He's accomplished a few things in life. He's in a new phase of his life. He's at a new challenge, a new job. I don't think he expected just to waltz right in and take things over and, and go, you know, scot-free with this uh, roses and petals. I don't think he expected that. You know, I don't think he expected to be 21 and 25 and have to have these kind of press conferences. So there's really nothing about what the Mets did yesterday that was bad. It was actually good, the way they controlled the message. Of course, that's getting criticized, and I'll get that to that in a minute. More importantly, the question should be, and if you listened if you listened to uh, Brody Van Wagenen on Mike Francesa if you listened to him during the press conference why is he not firing Callaway well it's what i told you they look at how he's completing the tasks of his job and it's not just a bullpen move uh, it's not a lineup decision just in that vacuum it's not whether he disciplined Robinson Cano again I'm not happy about how Cano la does stuff. That's who he is. He's been doing that all the way back to 2008. Should Joe Girardi have been fired? Actually, there was something similar to this, I think, after 2008 when he had a lousy year where they got Girardi in on this on his first year. Um, you knew what you were getting yourself into. So when they brought him on and, and they decided to make Robinson Cano an integral part of this team, they knew this was part of the package. You take the good with the bad. And... I don't think it got to the point where he did anything above and beyond what you expect. So it's not about that. What it's about with Mickey Calloway is that he's got the respect of the players, the coaches, and he and the players are on the same page. Uh, there's a commitment, everybody, and, and some of them, like Pete Alonzo, and I know he's a young player, and sometimes you have to take those guys because that's what a great assault because that's this is their first manager. Um, they seem to really like playing for him, and I don't think because he's being soft on them. I think because he's doing his job. Um, they all feel they're moving in the same direction. He's planned. He's prepared. He's doing all the things that you would expect. Working with the front office, that's a big thing today's day and age. He's doing everything that you would expect from a manager. So why fire him? Now, is he a fiery guy? No. Brody talked about on Mike Francesa how there's a calmness to, uh, excuse me, Mickey. Is Mickey a fiery guy? No, he's he's not. Brody talked about there being... A calmness to Mike Francesa with Mickey amidst all this. And I actually, I know that's not good for copy. I know that's not what you want because fans are fiery. They want to throw things. They want to, you know, yell and scream at people. Um, You know, you don't know how he disciplines. His style's different. It's very methodical. It's probably a lot more one-on-one. I can tell you, and this is coming from experience, sometimes you can scare the absolute bejesus out of someone who works for you by never raising your voice. Sometimes just by laying out what the situation is and what life is with one direction or another and how you're prepared to hold them accountable and they control the end result because all you're going to do is say it's A or it's B. And if you want to do either one, you do what you think is right. But here's a life with A. Here's life with B. You'd be surprised how that walks away. And that's a calm, methodical, hey, let's just talk about this approach. That's not yelling. That's not screaming. That's not sexy with headlines and then paper. That's not like Luke Pinella trying to beat up Rob Dibble. Uh, That's not Billy Martin. And if that's what you want, well, Mickey Calloway is not that guy. I don't know if that guy necessarily is in baseball right now. And I don't know if necessarily you have to have that guy to be successful, hold people accountable, and win. So, to me, there was nothing negative about yesterday. There was only positive that I believe the Mets have made strides in how they communicate with the media, how they're handling their affairs, how they're doing things. There's nothing negative. This is, again, not about... We talked about this on Sunday with Dan Gross of SMY. This is not about whether Mickey Calloway should be the manager or not. And truthfully, here's how I think this is going to play out, and I told you this on Sunday. Unless things get ugly, where all the things I outlined that Mickey does, the players stop responding, no one's in the same direction, um, they don't feel that he's he's... Preparing or pushing the team to maximize whatever talent they have around him, whatever the tasks are on a daily basis that he's doing, um, then maybe they'll fire him if things get ugly. And even then, that's probably, you know, All Star break. Bring Riegelman in to caretake. I think, and the reports are that this is happening. They're going to evaluate Callaway the rest of the year. I do not believe Callaway is the Mets manager for the next five, ten years. I don't think Callaway is going to be the Mets manager after this year, even if they make the playoffs. I have a feeling he's going to be out, unless things change a lot. I mean, maybe if they make the playoffs, but I think they have their designs on other people. And it looks like they're looking externally. There's some reports they're looking at guys like Robin Ventura. I know names like Buck Showalter and Joe Girardi have come up. Internally, they have this uh, Luis Rojas, who's uh, Moise Salou's brother. And he's been with the organization a while. They, you know, He's a quality control coach, and they've talked about him. I'm sure he's got a lot of support with some longtime members of the organization. And I know Omar Manaya, certainly, and that's a speculation, would support him because he's been with the organization since back when he was general manager. So I think they're already starting to think, well, what's life after Mickey? Doesn't mean he's out for sure, but foreseeable future, which has become a big buzzword that people have picked on, you know, to me, it means the rest of the year. And I do not think, and I said this, and I'll repeat this on Sunday. I do not think that the Mets record is going to be any different, whether it's Riggleman, Callaway, or anyone else that pops in now. They're going to be who they are. Things are going to settle to the, the water level that they are. Does that mean they're still a 77-win team? Well, right now, they're playing like that. I believe they're better than that. Does that mean that they're more of the 85-88-win to 88 win team that... I think a lot of people felt that they probably should have been last year. And a lot of data indicates they would have been without one bad, really bad stretch. Uh, yeah, I think they'll settle into that. Can they go north of that and really push themselves into a solid playoff spot? Right now, that's up to, up to debate. And, and Brody basically told Francesa that maybe he has to change some of those expectations. Right now, I think the Mets are going to have to be one of those guys that struggle to get in the playoffs. If they get this thing turned around quick over the next fourteen days, you know they can't be lingering. You know eight, nine, ten under five hundred into early June. They got to kind of stay around five hundred here, get towards five hundred, stay around that as they get pushed forward. So, um, and then they're going to have to see the division hasn't run away from them. I do not believe it will. Will the second wild card or the first wild card be within their uh, reach? Right now, they're not in that conversation because those teams are playing a lot better. The Milwaukee's of the world, uh, and what have you, uh, you know. So we'll see. We'll see how that all plays. Atlanta obviously plays in that conversation. So uh, to me, it was a positive day. As a fan, you should feel good about how. At least you see things being run. You may not agree with the decision to keep Callaway, but I'm giving you how organizations look at how organizations work, and how things are done. In the real world, not the media world, not the world of WFAN, not the world of headlines, not the world of members of the media who've never managed anything but a column. So uh, that's the way it works. Hey, we're going to take a quick, quick break. I want to get into real quick before I wrap up the media reaction agendas. And you got to start reading between the lines because the reporting is a lot of opinion disguised as reporting. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. Hey, Mets fans, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com.
2: Right now, that's Mets,
0: M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today. All right, we're back, and I wanted just to address this real quick. want to do a quick break there, gather myself. So, and I'll, I'll use a couple of articles that unfortunately are pay articles that if you don't have the Athletics sub, uh, subscription, you, you, you can't get. I, I do Again, I'm getting no money out of this. I always like to say this. Uh, I do recommend that you subscribe, and I'm not one for paying for stuff, but with the state of media right now and how bad it is, uh, The Athletic actually has some really talented riders that uh, are doing some good stuff over there, not only about the Mets but about baseball, about the NBA, NHL, whatever. So just just throw that in there. Mark Kerrig, who used to uh, call on the Mets, and I, th- I think he's doing just be- general baseball right now for The Athletic, and you all know Ken Rosenthal. Uh, wrote articles over at the athletic and I'm going to bring up two different things. First of all, Craig is the poster child here for what's wrong with the reporting of yesterday, why I'm giving you my take and why, how my take can be spun as a, as a narrative to, to, to create some agitation. So, and this is his decision. I'm not saying he hasn't have a right to it, but he decided to take this route instead of just reporting it intellectually. The headline basically is Brody Van Wagenen's hollow vote of confidence for Mickey Callaway leaves more questions than answers. So, without reading the article word for word, essentially Carrig talks about how well this whole press conference was a, you know, a show because that, you know, Van Wagenen is a sales guy. He knows what he's doing there. Um and he picks on the term for the foreseeable future saying, you know, what does that mean? You know, he wouldn't commit. And that there's no context to that uh, commitment. Um, and, you know, that's where his real issue is with Van Wagenen. And I'm saying to myself here, all right, that's fair. Foreseeable future could mean a week, month, rest of the year. But what did you expect Rody Van Wagenen to do? Give him a 10-year contract extension? Is that what you wanted yesterday? So you can take yesterday's press conference and take Brody's words. And I'm telling you, hey, I think he did exactly what the right management decision based on the circumstances is. He committed to his manager so he could stop the swirling. He didn't give him a 10-year deal. He didn't say he did a great job. He basically said, we've all not done a good job from players on up. And we're not happy about it. We're working on it. But here's why the guy that's the face of the team every day in the dugout Here's why I think he's done, within his scope, within his role, a good job, Uh, not a complete job, but a good job to stay manager and why he's the right guy from a process standpoint to move the team forward right now. He didn't say next year. He didn't say for 10 years. I don't see a problem with that. So you could take a column, basically paint that whole press conference as a circus now if he had not done the press conference and he had not said anything the column is still written Oh, the Mets are a mess and then you get little sourced information here and there if he had done it so maybe now you just wanted him to do it in front of reporters and say yeah I think Mickey is the right manager for the next two weeks so that would be a better answer you'd criticize that that'd be stupid so again you can never win so if you want if you don't like Brody and you don't like the decision of of he being a a general manager You don't like the fact that yes, he was brought in to help manage you people, the media, and being somewhat of a salesman and being able to handle the media. They don't like that he could handle them. He has no fear of them, and he has answers to their questions. And he leaves them speechless because, like, oh well, you know, well, you know, that's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to get you. They wanted to hear the stammering of Sandy while he tried to figure out how to do his next uh, Law and Order uh, impression. Or the bumbling of Omar. That's what they want. Because then they could come off, yeah, I'm smarter than you. I mean, that's that's just it. I mean, you could go through the whole article that Corrig has, and basically, you just heard the gist of it. Now, Ken Rosenthal is a little bit more irresponsible, in my opinion. And this happens a lot. And I don't think it's maliciously—there's not malicious intent, but I think this is where— Sourced information and opinions start to really get a gray area. So Rosenthal talks about, and I'll read this part of the column. He talks about how, you know, maybe because, not maybe, because of the way that Jeff Wilpon, who is the CEO of the team and has a right to be involved, by the way, in day-to-day operations. So they're criticizing the fact that the chief operating officer is involved in day-to-day operations. You don't like Jeff Wilpon. You don't like the way he goes about things. You don't like the the family. I get it. They've done a bunch of stuff. I'm not supporting everything they've done. But if you're the COO of an organization, you are involved in the day-to-day operations. That's your job. You happens to be related to the owner and is an owner, the son of the owner. I know that ticks people off. That's the way the world works. So to criticize that is stupid. That's his job. So he writes, at least one would rationalize that he could manage the Wilpons. He's talking right now, Rosenthal, about potentially an outside-the-organization candidate. Those sources continue to insist that Jeff, in particular, is meddlesome, Is a meddlesome presence, heavily involved in the day-to-day, day-to-day operation of the club. Okay. So we just talked about that. Calloway... A bright, articulate pitching coach from the Indians, a team that excels at doing more with less, was supposed to be the Mets' version of the next big thing. He has proven too small for the job, too limited strategically, too lacking in his message. I think the first two, uh, I mean, too small for the job is a media thing. doesn't matter. Strategically, I haven't seen anything that's any worse than Terry Collins, who I thought was awful. So maybe Terry Collins even as limited strategically too lacking in the message that's a media thing all right. so two out of the three things are about the media which is always what it's about it's about them not about really what the job that is actually the job but the Mets sources say also have turned him into a literal puppet telling him what to say and influence who he plays well front offices are doing that in all the whole league in all sports Um, I'd like to know what that means there's a lot to that statement that I'd like to unpack I can't because he's not being interviewed I think the word puppet gets overused. So then here's weird speculation based on a source. Why isn't Thomas Neto catching Jacob deGrom who's the, when the ACRA is 0.43 with him and 5.33 with Wilson Ramos over a similar number of innings? Because the Mets are paying Ramos $19 million a year. Why won't Callaway take a stand on Cano? Because he probably is not comfortable. Remember, probably. That's the word. Probably not comfortable challenging one of Van Wagenen's former clients and principal offseason acquisition, and a veteran who a strong influence on Shortstop Ahmed Rosario and other young Mets players. That word, probably, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean for sure, but probably. So you just took a statement from somebody that is a source. I'm sure Ken has great sources, who may have an agenda, and turned it around, and speculated on the catcher ERA situation, which Brody talked about this on WFAN. It's a small sample size. And yeah, by the way, if you're paying Ramos, who has a track record, who, by the way, caught a Cy Young Award winner in Max Scherzer and guys like Steven Strasburg and was a starting catcher on a pennant winning team, uh, no excuse me, on a division winning team, multiple division winners, maybe you're going to give him more than six weeks to figure it out with Jacob deGrom. And I like Thomas Nito's defense, but the guy can't hit, and you're all criticizing the offense. So you put Nito in, you're adding another bat that's significantly below league average at times there. So you have to spot him on when the lineup and the other things going on in the lineup are the right thing. Now maybe this becomes a thing, and maybe he does become somewhat of a personal catcher. They criticize mean, This happened back in the early 90s with personal catchers where you know, the Mets, you had one wanted Rick Want Everyone wanted Charlie O'Brien, who was a lot like Nito, who couldn't hit. Nobody wanted Mackie Sass, who was the best hitter. And it was criticized then. You can't win. You can't win. Trust me on this, guys. These two articles with respected writers, Mark Kerrig and Ken Rosenthal, this is what's wrong. It's not always about reporting. It's about generating the most clicks, exciting. The, and I know that's their job, exciting, exciting the most conversation. But you can do that with being honest, intellectually honest, and being a little bit more balanced and rounded because that's what reporting would be to me. Balance it out, saying, here's the perspective of the Mets. Don't call it a circus because it's not. I thought they handled it perfectly. That's irresponsible. That's not what it is. You and It's like looking at a painting, and I know that people have opinions. You and I look at things. If I'm always going to take the... Crazy approach that everything is a conspiracy and everything's a circus, and, I'm, and another person's always going to take the balanced approach. I think you should see through that agenda. And I really believe with this podcast, all I'm trying to do is say, all right, take a step back. Let's look at how management's looking at things. Now, met source, I don't know what that means. It's probably not a great thing that you have someone within the organization that's chirping like that, if it's within the organization. You don't know what that's that's a very long that's a very general statement. What's the agenda of that person? There's agendas in the organizations. And you hope that there's not someone trying to undermine the general manager or the manager in that organization. A la. I don't think it would be like Tony Bernazard. That's an extreme case. That's way extreme case. But it really makes you wonder. So anyway, that's what I have for you today on this Tuesday. Uh, we'll be back. I know Memorial Day weekend's coming. I'm not sure what the schedule is gonna be like. We'll be back with more Talking Mets podcast later this week, um, early next week. Big period of games. We didn't even get into the Cespedes stuff. I don't even really think it's worth getting into with the Cespedes stuff. Look, the guy hurt himself on the ranch, fractured an ankle. Uh, He was probably going to be out for the year. There was some hope that he was making progress. We'll talk more about that later on because I'm sure that'll be a story about how he got hurt, um, voiding the contract, all those things. I don't really want to make this about I, I want to make this about the real news, which was Mickey Calloway, the press conference, how it was handled. Now Mickey Callaway's is your manager. Mickey Calloway is going to be your manager the rest of this year. That's, that's going to happen. So let's put this to bed. Let's put the job security to bed. Let's move forward and say, okay, there's a lot here with this team. They can win. I believe they will win more games than they lose. I believe there is uh, hope because I think there's a lot of – fun stuff around this team. They have great starting pitching that has underperformed. They have four really good young offensive players that I think are sustainable long-term. They have veterans with a resume that I, I, I'm I not ready to say are toast. The bullpen, the bullpen is pitched in the month of May to a 1.82 ERA. That was on SNY's telecast last night. The bullpen's been pretty good. Familia's looking better. I don't agree with going two innings with him, but that's another story for another day. There's a lot here to unpack that's good. Don't let this all get clouded by narratives, agitation, hysteria, by a lot of people covering the team that don't like the owners, really don't want to cover this team, want to cover another beat, and are more interested in agitating you and creating drama that is stories that are created into bigger dramas than they are. That's the way I'll leave you with. All right, thanks a lot. Of course, I want you to thank the good folks over at MetsamorizedOnline.com. Check them out all the time. Send me a tweet at MikeSilvaMedia. And you get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back with more Talking Mets soon. Take care, everybody.
1: MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies.